0: Y'all can stop me now. Listen to me now. I'm less lasting 20 rounds. And if you want me,
1: then come on, get me now. Is yes. yes, you with me now? Yes. The biggie, bigger bounce. Yes. I know you dig the way I s- s- switch my style. Holla. Holla.
2: Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Summon Review Show. For the first time in, I believe, 45 days, Sunderland were able to field a striker. However, it was a midfielder that we had to thank after Elliot Embleton's second-half equaliser and should we left Luton Town with a well-deserved point in our back pocket. Um, As I say, it was an excellent point and myself, Brad, Dave and Michael Bowers has returned to review the game and all of the talking points of yesterday's match, which will hopefully be a nice start to your Sunday morning by the time you get stuck into that. But firstly, though, I will introduce Dave Lawrence. Dave, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, very well, mate. Thanks. Nice to be Yeah, uh, nice to be introduced first
3: like it should be, but you know, all pretty good. <laughs> stop the stop the rot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's
2: a good Sunday, I think. And second of all, Brad, who I think's driving at the minute. You're gonna be with us for 15, 20 minutes. Brad are you all right?
1: Yeah, I'm pulled over. Don't worry, I don't do anything illegal. Um yeah, I'm good, mate. Shit to be introduced as second like. I thought we'd gone up in the world, but
2: what can we say? Ah, true, true, true. And last but not least. Of course, returned for a game the other week. I can't remember which one it was. Watford, Wait. I think, wasn't it? That was Watford, that's right. So, oh, that's a good start. Back for an away draw. Bowers, how are you? You are all
0: right? I'm feeling five out of ten this morning. Um, anyone who knows that Brad was uh, a... <laughs> Brad, for those who can't see, Brad's just shaking his head in disbelief because he's gets sick of me saying five, 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 five. So, of course, I was going to start with that and annoy him. But I'm
2: all right. Are you doing all right? Yeah, not too bad, mate, not too bad. I can't really complain very much at all. Um, for the first time in a couple of weeks, Dave, I'll come to you first with this one. It was only 20 minutes, right? But we, we were able to feel the strike on the pitch. How, how relieved do you feel just with the simple fact that there was a man who can play up front, playing up front for something for a period of the game? <laughs> yeah, it's um,
3: it's just nice that the, the, the ball sticks up there in certain periods of the game just for a couple of seconds longer than it normally would, you know, instead of trying to force that pass or, or be a dare I say it, Luton's goal. If um had we have had a centre forward on the pitch, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with their goal. But to be away from home, nil-nil, a minute away from half time, and then knocking a long ball forward without a centre forward and the ball just comes straight back in into the back of the net. Not ideal, so to see a centre forward up there, it uh, it's yeah, certainly gives you a bit more confidence going forward.
2: Uh, same question to you, Bowers. Obviously, um, I think you've been a, a slightly different on the fence for anyone who follows. Obviously, our Twitters I'm very much vigorously against never ever ever playing without a striker. We've been sort of stuck with it, but I think you've been at the point where it's like. Well, it is what it is. We just need to get on with it, which is a fair point as well. But it was really nice just to have a striker on the pitch yesterday, even if it was just for twenty minutes, wasn't it?
0: No, I think it's overrated. Go back to playing Embleton as a striker or Pritchard as a centre forward. <laughs> Dave's right though to sort of elaborate on Dave's point. Like I've always been someone. Well, put it this way: last week against Burnley, I was someone that made the argument that not having a striker doesn't make um, doesn't make. Is it Nathan? T- or whatever his name is for Burnley, get a free Nathan header Taylor. in a six-yard box, uh, six box. But there's no doubt that if you have an out-ball to stick the ball to up front, then the ball just doesn't keep coming back at you like it has done. I mean, at Watford, I noticed it. And obviously, yesterday, in parts it was similar. Um, and obviously, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that anyone's going to be missing not having a striker. And I think, on the whole, Sunderland have actually done quite well, considering that we haven't had a striker for the last, what, two months. But... I think with Sims coming back, I think that's a pretty big thing because even though we know he's not Roscoe, we know that Dave absolutely, everybody loves him, but Dave especially loves him and adores him. But Ellis Sims, you know, he's at least someone that the ball will stick to and you could tell when he came on. I mean, I know you want to get into the game later, but when he came on, you could definitely tell that there was, we felt his presence up there. So I've always said you've got to get on with what's happening. We can't because... Obviously, I'm someone who's grown very, very, very bored of people saying we don't have a striker. Oh, we've conceded a rubbish goal. We don't have a striker. For me, that shouldn't really be the excuse for every time we don't win a game. But I'm not denying it. It has been a factor. So it's nice to actually see, finally, see someone actually come back and play up front. That's actually meant to be up there.
2: Yeah, it just it just felt like there was a focal point for But tw- I think we just we played better second half, which we'll get into, but I just think, it's been such a talking point. It was just so nice to have someone back on the pitch. But Brad, before I move on completely, me and you have been advocates for playing strikers. Um, thankfully, one of them is fit. We looked a lot better with one up there, didn't we? Even just for that 20 minutes, Brad.
1: Yeah, you could see as soon as he came on, we just had a different outlet. People could actually, for the first time, and God knows how long, it was it 40-odd days. I was still employed by
2: Nissan last time we had a strike on the pitch. I can't believe it's only been 45 days, by the way. <laughs> like, I, 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 was, I looked at it. For the intro, and I was like forty-five days. Has it not been four hundred and forty-five days? Like,
1: it. But in the that's the nature of this league. There's that many games that come thick and fast. It, there was even an international break plunked in the middle of there, and we've still missed them for like nine or ten games. You know what I mean? Um, but it was nice not just to have the striker. It was nice to see the players being able to play in their natural positions and do their job. Which second half showed we were the better side. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of Bowers when he was saying, did, did we miss a striker for conceding these goals? Possibly, yeah, because the, the some of the goals that have been coming in is where Ross Stewart and Ellis Sims would be. Um, and then last week, conceding four goals because we were so deep, we had nothing to hump the ball to. So it was nice to see. Even if Sims wasn't trapping the ball fully, he was just being able to hold it for that one or two seconds to bring someone else into play. And that's what excites me now, that the players can now play in their natural positions and see how we go from there.
2: I think we're nothing. Of course, balanced on the show. We've had two opposite ends of the spectrum and me sitting right in the fence getting spelt to my ass, which is my job, I think. Um, Dave, coming back to you, obviously, um, moving away from the striker situation, I think one thing that was quite prominent on Twitter, which I personally fully agree with, um, I think it was... Oh, I can't remember who it was, but s- some people were talking about it. Embleton um, got the goal again yesterday. Loads of chat about Embleton being one of our most underrated players that we probably don't love as much as we should. I personally agree with that. He got seven goals last season, eight assists. He had two goals in the past couple of weeks. How much do you rate Emble, Dave?
3: Yeah, I think we, I think we'd said was it was the the first game after we didn't have a centre forward. Maybe it was the second game, um, Embleton played almost as the false nine, and uh, he got took off after about an hour. Um, as you just pointed out Preston and I, th- I thought he looked like a oh, main goal threat his his movement was quite good and do you want to know something <laughs> there's almost a case to say that because Pritchard the senior member of this team and he's he's important he's a very good player but i dare say that Embleton playing either side of him is is because of Pritchard's reputation when i actually think that Emble could probably do a, could probably do a job in there um, and a very good job. I think, uh, I think he is underrated. He, he's got both feet, he's he's direct. Okay, he's not perfect, but how many footballers in the world are perfect? Um, he's he's certainly got a desire when he's on the pitch to close down to Ross Stewart. To... <laughs> yeah, fair comments. I, mean... <laughs> I was waiting
0: for that, I was waiting to say that myself. So yeah, I've
3: got a, uh, I've got a lot of time for Embleton. He's, um, I think he's certainly, considering those murmurs of a, a move away on uh, last, last game of the season, sorry, last day of the transfer window. Um, I, I think, I think he's got a job to do for us, and he's another one. He's hungry. He, he's young enough to progress with us. I, I just like he's got a bit of a chip on his
2: shoulder. I'm a uh, I'm all for him, to be fair. I don't mind him being underrated. That works for me. If everyone else thinks other players are better and Embo sneaks in with the goals and assists, then that's fine. Bowers, same question to you. Um, There was a discussion yesterday, actually, I think, about is Embo better than Dan Neil? I think they're different players in some ways, but I, I understand the, the comparison. But I, I do think Embo's really underrated. Are you kind of in agreement with me on that, Bowers? I think with Embleton in the past, I've felt that in some games, he's been a
0: bit anonymous when he started. But that's but it'd be unfair of me to exclusively just pin that to him a good because point there. there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people that there's a lot of players for us that have, have been like that. But off the bench, when he's come off the bench, I think he's actually made an impact. But you can't ignore it. I think he scored against um Wigan two weeks back, um, scored yesterday. Obviously, had the hand in the goal that Dan created. I think the one thing I've sent to notice, and maybe it's just me trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. But the one thing I've noticed is that some southern fans seem to be very harsh on the likes of Neil and Embleton. It's all those that you're harder on your own academy, lads, that have sort of come through your own system, which I personally don't understand. Um, I don't get the mindset behind that, unless you genuinely think they're not good enough, which is fair enough. Everyone's got their own opinion. But um, yeah, I think Embleton's got little bit, nice little bits of technical equality um, that do definitely help us get a few yards up the pitch, as simplistic as that sounds. And obviously, if you look at the goal yesterday, I mean, his goal, again, was similar to the one against Wigan. He was in the right place at the right time and hit it first time when the ball's coming at him. So I don't mind. Like you said, I mean, if Embleton's underrated, then it means less clubs are going to be looking to sign him. So maybe as long as long may that continue, I suppose.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um I, I, I kind of find Embo just gets left allowed to get on with whatever he does which is maybe where I'm seeing the underrated stuff but I do think that Daniel does get a rough time but to be fair, Brad come come to you with that, with Daniel and Embo Um, Daniel's a few times turned into danger and he did it again yesterday Um, I really, really rate Daniel, I really like him Um, I think he's got bags of potential I think you made a point obviously in in the chat Brad that Daniel has probably got a higher ceiling than Embo, but at the moment, Embo's better. Uh, I agree with that 100%. But Daniel went off at half-time yesterday. And I'm not saying, let's drop Daniel, blah, 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 blah. But he came out the side last year and it's benefited him. He came back and, and played quite well. I think maybe time, because now that we can play centre-forward, take him out for a bit. Maybe put Embo in the the deeper lion, deeper lion role, potentially, or, or maybe even just put someone else in completely, Brad. Yeah. yeah, I
1: would agree. Um Touching on what you're saying about Embo quickly, it's the only time I'm ever going to compare Tony Mowbray to Pep Guardiola. But Pep Guardiola has a team of what he, what he likes to call finishers, people who come on to finish the game. And I think Embo our perfect type of player for that. I think he's, he's brilliant when other players, like the other team, are starting to tire because he just stretches them. Um, but coming back to Dan Neal, yeah, I think a break maybe would do him good. I mean, when he got his suspension, albeit it was only a one-game ban, I think he came back and he was a, he was a different player again. Just just after one game sitting out. Um, I mean, there is now. Sims has had his 25, 30 minute run out. There's going to be called something to be starting on Wednesday night. Whether he does or not, I don't know. But I think Dan Neal could be the one that you, you see make way. And it's nothing against Dan. He's still young. We have to remember he's 20 year old, twenty one. I'm not sure. He's, he's twenty one, the oldest
2: I think. He's twenty. I actually he's 20. really Weirdly went through our players' ages yesterday. I don't know why I did that and why that's coincided with today's podcast, but he's still only 20. The amount of players in our team that are like... I mean, Bailey Wright's only 30. I'm six years older than Bailey Wright. That's absolutely terrifying, by the way. Um, hey, but you look good. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, he's gorgeous and I'm definitely not, um, which is fair play. Leon Diago's still only 20.
1: Yeah, well... I I'm going to contradict myself on there because I say Dan Neal's got a lot of going to do it's only his second season in professional football but Leon Diaco for me no, I'm not I'm not having it to be honest I know he got in a couple of good positions yesterday but his end product was appalling like Dave said he's got to go across the keeper when he's hit the post he's got to go across him um He'd be class but in yeah. League
2: Two, I think, Diago. I think he'd be class in League Two. He's proper League two. He's dead exciting. Gets in the right place and just flops up. But the times he scores it, it like crew cool last season, it looked really good. But I'm going to sp-
1: I'm going to no. speak to a couple of pals at Hartlepool and see if they fancy him on loan because I think he'll do the job for them. Um, but yeah, I, I think like going back to Dan, he's still young. It's only his second season as a as a professional, really. Um, it's his first season in the Championship. Bring him in. Bring him out. And it's gonna help him. The like we're saying with Lee Johnson, just he, he just ran him into the ground and it hindered him big time. So he missed the like the, the large chunk of last season, the last third of the season, maybe. He missed because Lee Johnson had, had nearly fucked him. Um so if, if Tony Mobray can, can see that, um, and I mean Alex Neal done it, he brought him on now and again, and he gave him the start of the season. So if Mowbray can can manage him right. And take him out for a game or two. Um, I know the World Cup break's coming up, so you might think I'll use that as the break. But just take him out of the game. Like I know everyone's gonna have a break there, so it's not really a break on Dan Neil. Take him out, give him a break and bring him back in because we all know he's got the class to, to do something. But he is starting to show again that he's he's got an error or two in him, a bit of naivety. So yeah, I agree. I would take I would probably take him out for a little bit.
2: Yeah, and 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 I want to make a Explicitly clear, I think across the board here. I, remember, I think I'm speaking for all of us. We all rate Dan Neil. Um, we look at Nathan Broadhead, who's 25. The manager at Wigan is managing him at the moment. We didn't manage him very well last season, hence why I he kept breaking down. Sometimes when you don't play regular football, your body does need to get used to it, and he is only in his his second season. Um, on the on the the Tony Mowbray situation, I, I like Tony Mowbray again. I'm going to say that I'm completely comfortable with him, but I find it really funny that like. Alex Neal's after-match interviews would be about two minutes, and whenever it comes up on the SAFC's Twitter, I'm like, oh, six and a it's half like minutes six, again, Tony. Yeah, 20. six minutes, isn't it? It's happened like three or four times. Do you know what he strikes me as? Do you know when you used to go to your granddad's? Because like, you had to go, like, your granddad was a, as a kid, and you, ha- you had to go at the weekend. And for the first, like, you know, hour, it was fine. You were getting on with your granddad really well. Then after about five hours, you go, "I that's great, granddad, cheers, mate. I just want to play FIFA, or I just want to play on my PlayStation or something. Um... Thanks thanks for that. Cheers, mate. Um, but on a serious note, I really like Tony Mowbray. I know there's a few people questioning certain things at half-time yesterday. I think it's far too early to judge him at the minute. Um, and I think what he has done with it, uh, as hamstrung as he's been, it's fine. Um, so I'm 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 comfortable with him. And um, I think that's a really quick conversation for me, that one. Dave, I'll, I'll come to you with this one. Um, Diallo, the reason I segued into Tony Mowbray was because he was very, very um, full of praise for him. Uh, I think most people seen a lot of positivity from Diallo yesterday, dropped into central midfield at one point. Um, I really like Diallo. And I know there was a few people on Twitter, people who I really like to get on with and I'm 100% entitled to that opinion, um, mentioned that they felt like his work rate wasn't quite there. I'm like the opposite. I think he works really hard. I think he absolutely works his knackers off um, to coin a phrase. Um, And I think he's, Obviously very, very talented lad. But Dave, Diallo looks like he's, he's starting to bring stuff to the team. Are you in the same opinion? Yeah, definitely, mate. I was, I was impressed with him yesterday um, in part
3: because he, I love a footballer who wants to get on the ball and make things happen. And I feel very much, I think it was in the second half, we were still 1-0 down. And it was possible he took the ball, he, he basically bullied Luke 09 off the ball. He's like, get out of the way, I'm gonna do something with it. And the drive and the desire that he's got on the ball to make something happen is it's something that's gonna benefit any team. It's as simple as that. Um, yes, of course, he's gotta make the right decisions, he's gotta do uh, he's he's got to, he's gotta make the right decisions at the right time and stuff like that. But again, I mean, what is he? 20-year-old, 19-year-old. It's
2: 12.
3: You know, he's definitely got something. And I think we can see, listen, he's he's run his run of games to start with is the we've tried using him through the middle. And I think you can see the main part of his game and probably the reason that he was signed for 20 million pounds. It's picked the ball up deep and it's run at it players. And th- that's definitely his strength. Um so yeah, I think he'll only get better. Um and I can see him going from
2: strength to strength with us, to be fair. Brad, you have to be away after this one because you're doing something for you or something, I don't know. Something you, you do, you do something outside of podcasts. You're playing for, you're going to ride some balls. Um, brilliant. The <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Allo, I think me and you are both big fans, Brad. Um, I think he had a, a very good game yesterday. Again, I think he works incredibly hard. Um, I think he's a real asset I'm delighted that obviously he came out the stadium last week with a protective boot I'm pleased it was precautionary because obviously he played fine yesterday I think he's bringing a lot to the team now Brad do you agree?
1: Uh, It's trimmed in black but I'm not going to go and ride some bulls and I am a striker I was going to call myself up to someone at one point Um, (laughs) See I had this conversation with a friend of the podcast Danny Collins I'm the opposite opinion of Diallo I I
2: don't think he's my friend anymore
1: he is, don't worry.
2: No, because I, I told him I, that the Nick McCarthy team was shite and he did well to get up and he hasn't spoken to us since. <laughs> Sorry, Penny. um
1: I was of the different opinion. I thought he was busy. And I even put it in the group uh, yesterday in the first half about the changes I'm making. Dave did make a good point. He, he, he was doing okay. I thought at times yesterday, yes, he was busy, but he, he was just running it nowhere. nowhere. Um, he made one or two good things happen, but sometimes I think he was a little bit... Careless on the ball. Um, but I don't want to come down too hard because the amount of people that I've seen giving them praise, I think I was wrong. <laughs> I might be wrong. Um, there is something there. Me and you know that. We've watched Rangers, although he didn't set the world alight at Rangers. It, there was always something there. And you don't get... You, you're not a £35 million player because it, you just become shite overnight. Um, The free kick was good. He tested the keeper. Um, I know you was chatting in the group and I'm not even looking because I can't be arsed. I thought he was okay. Um, but I, I've been a big fan of him in recent weeks, so it might have just been something I've seen that's a bit different. Maybe it's, maybe it's his expectations, from my point of view, are a lot higher than I've seen yesterday. So I'll let you talk and it's going to be awkward silence because you was having a little chat to yourself.
0: <laughs> this is the worst Thank goodness just... the podcast can't see the chat, by the way. I know, Jesus.
2: <laughs> Cheers, Brad oh you've ruined it now man um, right
1: lads I'm going to have to shoot anyway but uh, it's been a pleasure i listen to yours where you give people 5 out of 10 or 4.9 and 5.1 because your crack's awful <laughs> 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 I'll catch you later lads <laughs>
2: I'll come to you next Bowers because um, obviously your crack is not horrendous Um, that's why you. I mean half the time it is but I'll take that well if yours is mine is Jesus Um, I don't like stats I know that sounds stupid I just don't like them I'm not a numbers person but um, on the basics we actually did really well when you look at it yesterday I'm not talking about XG and all that kind of stuff that's you know if a goal scored then that's what I like not bothered how many times it looks like we might score. I know it applies and stuff, it just it's not for me. Um, but the basic stats, we made 399 passes to Luton's 262. However, we had superior pass accuracy with 74 to 62. We also had more shots on target and more shots in general. Luton haven't got the best home record this season, but as I touched on in the preview show, um, the home record's improved recently. The big QPR, uh, for example, that haven't been beaten since like early December, I think. Um, I think that's four or five games of have beating at home now. So when you take their recent home form, it's gone back to a hard place to go and get a result. So how encouraging is that considering that, you know, statistically, I don't, oh God, it's not like Lee Johnson shit. Um, statistically though, we, we put up a good show yesterday and if anyone was likely to win, I thought it was Sunderland.
0: Just to bring a point up earlier, if you think Tony Mowbray's interviews were long, try Lee Johnson's. They were probably just as long, if not longer. So... Yeah, I agree. From a statistical point of view, I think we obviously I didn't know those stats, so you just uh, mentioned them. And I'm usually someone who likes to look at different results, but I think across the whole, the performance was good. I mean, even in the first. I mean, just to quickly touch on Ahmed Diallo, there, I'm, I'm with you. I like him a lot. Um, I think he's got. I think yesterday, um, I, I, I slightly disagree with Brad. I thought yesterday he was looking to make things happen on the ball. Every time he got into the right flank, hit hit Me the too. post, hit the post once. Um, and I think you've, you've, you've got, I think there was a player there. I think, like, he was just, I think Tony Moby said it himself that he was affected by his loan spell at Rangers last year. If you watched more of Rangers than I did, yeah, so you're, you're in a better place than me to comment.
2: He didn't play very often. He, his debut was in the old firm when Celtic absolutely tonked for Rangers again. Well, um, that does
0: that never helps, does it?
2: No, and, and it's like, he, I think he, I think he had the score on his debut and his second game was against Celtic or, or vice versa, but. Um, he, he never really got going in a Rangers team that struggled, but did well in the Europa League. And obviously he wasn't part of that squad. So I can understand why he would have been affected by it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I think that, I think a bit of patience is required with him. I, I think Diallo's getting better in each game personally, but to sort, of, to sort of get the point that you want about, look, we know that Luton, this is Luton's what fourth season now, isn't it? In the championship. So they've established themselves well enough. I did like Tony Moby's comment when he said, As Southern AFC, we should be looking to come to Luton and win. But that's not, but that's obviously, I'm not going to try and be disrespectful to Luton because at the end of the day, they are a very hard team um, to play against. And they got to the playoff semi-finals last year. That was for a reason. They were one of the best teams in the division last year. Um, And look, Nathan Jones knows what he's doing there. Whatever your opinion of him is is as a bloke, because he's a fiery character, to say the least. But he, he got them well drilled into getting finishing sixth last year. And although the home form this year hasn't been as good as what they would have liked historically, that, that usually, that's a, basically this is against the norm their, their, their home form is usually very good. And I mean, look at it this way. Luton went to Norwich and I mean, I know Norwich lost quite a few games recently until yesterday, but um they went and won at Norwich. They've, they've claimed some big scalps um this season already. So, to go there, and when we're 1-0 down, by the way, to come in and actually end up getting a point, and I thought finishing the game stronger, although you could say Luton pressed the, pressed the ascendancy after 1-1, I think a point is... I, I said yesterday it was a must-not-lose game, and I think we've got the point, and it hopefully it sets us up nicely for Wednesday.
2: Yeah, I think it was really important we got a result yesterday. Um, especially
0: after the second half against
2: Burnley, it was, yeah. Yeah character I think I think almost like if we I would have preferred if it was to be 1-1 and we got that result for it to be the way that we got it like a latest equaliser as opposed yeah, to yeah just
0: to interrupt I agree with you that because I think mm-hmm. mentally that's a pretty big thing to yeah. go from 1-0 down because it was would have been very easy for us to crumble when you think oh no 1-0 down here conceded four goals in the second half last week but to stay in the game show the character to get back into it I think we'll do these lads a world of good I think those young lads needed that after last week
2: and I think um, if you look over the last four games, yeah, no wins. I'm uh, oh, sorry, w- one win, I think, uh, yeah, against Wigan. And that came from behind. Yesterday was coming from behind. Yes, Burnley was <laughs> the polar opposite. Um, But it's gone now and, and you know, Burnley are a good side. Um, probably the most impressive we come up against this season. They'll um, at least
0: finish top two for me, if not win the division. Burnley can yeah. keep it up.
2: The, just the style and the way they play is very very good and again I, I yes last week was frustrating we, we touched on it but um character's massive and i'm really really pleased that we seem to have a character where we can pull it back from from being 1-0 down um we've done it a few times also in um we've been dragged back and, and gone back in the lead again and, and like the towards the end of league one the, the chef wed game the playoffs I, I think there's a character in this team and that's that's a fantastic building block at the very least. I also think we've got very talented players. Um, one negative, Dave, and I've touched on this sporadically and then began. it's began to become more of a regular feature in this. And again, I feel like I've done this three or four times. Um, I love him. I think he's one of our most talented players we've had in the past five to six years. I think his attitude's excellent. I really enjoyed his podcast during the week. Um, on the Sunderland's official channel, I thought he spoke very honestly. I thought he spoke with a good level of experience. And I think he's a cracking player, but Pritchard isn't looking himself. And you can dress it up as much as you like. For me, he doesn't, in my opinion, he does not look himself. He was taken off yesterday, um, early doors. You might disagree with me, Dave, but assuming you agree with me, what's going wrong with him at the minute? Why is it not quite clicking? I think,
3: personally, he has been the biggest victim of not having an Ellis Sims or a Ross Stewart, if I'm perfectly honest. To, to play in that shadow striker type of role and, and look for them balls through, having that centre-forward who who kind of takes up... I mean, someone like Ross Stewart, I think we were, at the beginning of the season, we were very surprised to see two centre-forwards up front um, because we fully expect that it will be Ross Stewart through the middle on his own, simply because of the the donkey work that he does, the fact that he can give you the option to cross the ball, the fact that he can give you the option to put the ball behind the full-back, the fact that he can give you the option to have a slide-roll pass and play on the defender's shoulder. And when you think about it, all them things, just with Ross Stewart alone, are what Pritchard is the best at. You know, it's all very well playing a 25-yard ball cross field. I think any professional footballer at this level can do that. But to see them little reverse passes, to see them slide rule balls for the wingers because the centre-forward's created a bit of space, I think that's what Pritchard's been missing. There's been nobody running in front of him with that type of ball. They've tried to do it a bit with Jack Clark, but he's a bit too lightweight, so the option isn't really there. So I think he's probably... Every time he's seen that ball, and, and Pritchard's always on the half turn. He's always looking to go forward and stuff like that. It's probably made him recede into Rochelle a little bit. The fact that he hasn't... You, you hear it a lot. I remember Paul Scholes talks about it quite a lot with that Man United team, of, of how he just knew... I think I was listening to him the other day in a clip talking about Ruud van Nistelrooy. Before he's even received the ball, he knew where Van Nistelrooy would be. And that's the type of player for me that Pritchard is. He knows where Ellis Sims will run. He'll know even more so where Ross Stewart will run. So he can put the ball in there. And because it's half a yard quicker in the brain than anyone else, it just takes so many players out and it makes him look more impressive. Problem is, when he just makes a five-yard ball to a winger and lets the winger run at the defender, it doesn't quite look as impressive. So I think that's where he struggled recently. Listen, I'm, I'm all for, if if he's not being effective in the team, play someone else. Whether that's his fault, whether it's management's fault, whether it's because players are injured and he's unlucky, I'm not quite sure which one of, of the three it is. But, yeah, I, I, I don't... He's a pretty chilled-out character, isn't he? I, he's not one of those who... So I can understand... I can understand the, the percentage of Sunderland fans who are like get him out, he doesn't care, he's off to Stoke in January and stuff like that. I, I
2: don't think understand that's that one. If you go yeah. to Stoke, then fair enough, mate. Get yourself away.
0: Yeah,
3: exactly. You
2: know, and exactly. I think he's got
3: more talented players around him here. I think we took a chance on him.
2: Also, he took a chance on dropping down to league one. I understand that. But I think I think he's... he just I think he just likes it here, Dave, doesn't he? I think I think the you always get conspiracy theorists and, and and Twitter is um as I always say, it's not really a barometer because it can be quite reactionary. But I don't think um I don't look at Pritch and go, that's a player that wants to be away. I just see a player that's out of form. And I think what you've said before about the strikers is probably the main reason for it. Yeah,
3: yeah, and that's it. it you know I tell you what, <laughs> I was talking, to, you know, I was up for the Burnley game last week and and I was I was with Glenn. Um <laughs> Glenn Little, um, and he said, "He goes, you know something, Dave? There's, there's a saying. There's a saying in football. I hate it. It goes, it's like it's all about cliches. He goes, the reason that the cliches is, is because they're true. Last week was a game of two halves, and literally when it comes to Pritchard, whether it's this level, whether it's Premier League, but class is permanent and form is temporary." And ultimately, he will find his feet again. He will go on a spell of making some assists. He will look like a classy player again. It's just not happening from at the minute. And I think that's probably the tactical side of things more than it is the fact that he can't be arsed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. I don't, I don't think it's anything to do with attitude. I think it's probably confidence more than anything. Yeah. Um... Silly taking the quick free kick yesterday, but he's trying to make things happen almost desperately. So that's why he's taking the quick free kick. I mean, looking at his stats last season, he was he was 39 games, four goals, nine assists, uh assists, fine, perfect. Nine assists is decent. Um maybe in could have should have maybe been more. One of them was at Wembley, though. So he's forgiven for that. Um, I would I think I would have liked to see more goals from Fridge last season, bearing in mind two of them were Direct free kicks, I think, against Cheltenham and Wimbledon. Um, I do think he needs to add goals to his game. I think that is a flaw to Pritchard. He's got no goals this season. He's only got three assists. Two of them came against Bristol City. He does need to impact the game more. But am I saying that he doesn't impact the game because he's crap? Absolutely not. I've said it a few times. I think there's a lot of players in this team that have raised standards in the fan base because of their own talent. Pritchard's, I don't want to say a victim of it because... I think he's a victim um, but he, we've seen what Pritchard can produce we know better can come from him and that's because we believe in him not because we want to um, berate him so I'm confident he'll come back as well I think things are just not clicking from at the minute but I think that cliche you used is perfect and um, I'm going to agree with it but I, was your, I think you're quite a big fan of Pritchard what, what, what's your thoughts on his form at the minute?
0: I'll make a comparison here if say I'm. I can't believe I'm comparing the two of them here. But Pritchard and Diaku is an example, and I'm someone who thinks that Diaku is just bang average. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's great. I'm just meh on him. I don't really have an opinion on him. But Diaku for me, if he if he last day I thought he had a semi okay game, but that's because Diaku's the standards that people expect of Diaku that low that that looks all right. Whereas with Pritchard, I think I agree with you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use it. I think it's a victim. I think he is a victim, or at least a. He's 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 kind of suffered from the aspect that people expect higher from him, and by the way, he expects probably higher standards of himself. You can tell just in his body language. You can tell the way that he he sort of speaks. Oh, cheers, Dave. Um, honestly, I'm think I'm thinking of the way that Pritchard expects higher standards of himself. He's he's played in the Premier League before. I mean, I think last I think last season aside, has he not predominantly been in the second tier or above in his career when he's been in England anyway? So. Um, I, I think that I agree with Dave, I think that his form, it is just that, it's, that's all it is, it's form, and I do agree to an extent that he has suffered from the fact that we haven't had a striker in place for nearly two months now, so I think the best way for me to judge Pritchard would be in the next few games, if Ellis Sims does st- make, they make, start a couple of them or play or a predominant role in the next three, and then see if Pritchard, well obviously A stays fit, but B, um, so he does impact the game the way that he wants to because I, I agree, I think he's a very classy footballer, I mean, I think there's I've seen enough from him to suggest that he's easily a championship level player uh, and I think he will contribute over the course of the season again, it's just simple standards that's what it is, and, and in a way that's a good thing you want the players to be held to high standards we don't want to be dropped to the point where I think you said last week, for example that you you know, we can say Burnley's top the league and all that, but you want our standards as Sunderland to be better than that, and I agree with that um, and this is a and this is one of the reasons when Tony Mowbray said we expected to come away with a win yesterday because it's Sunderland. And that'll sound arrogant to some people. I don't think it is arrogant. I think that's just the way it is. Um, but with Pritchard, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's shown enough promise. He's shown enough quality. And he took the chance to drop down League One. We took a chance on him. It worked, thankfully. Thankfully, it worked. So I think he will get back to his best. There is definitely a player in Pritchard there. I think a lot of people just... Again, Twitter is not the barometer you think there Some people will think it is because it's very reactionary, as you said. But some people just confuse not being on form for can't be arse or don't give a shit. And I think people need to, st- I think some. I've been guilty of it myself. I suppose we all just need to start learning oh, the difference. We've yeah, we've all certainly start learning the difference between them. Pritchard is just off form. That's it. He's a good player and he will show it again in the future. It's just that he's set we've set standards higher than this for him. He set standards than it higher than this for himself. For him, you can tell how frustrated he is with his own performances recently.
2: Yeah, I, I put my house on him not going to Stoke in January, if I'm honest with you. Um
0: well, we'll see about that one. We put a house on someone else not going
2: to Stoke and look how that turned out. To be fair, I panicked the minute you missed the press conference, but pleased to see it's working out <laughs> well for Stoke. Please to see it's working out well It's
0: okay. Pr- pr- oh, yeah, definitely. Um, don't worry, Pritchard went on a podcast in midweek, so he's staying. It's fine.
2: I've decided. Yeah, he'd be fine. He'd be all right. I'll stay with you, Michael, on this one before we go to the, the final question. But um, Bailey Wright, we banged on about me, Brad, Dave. Actually, just me and Brad banged on about last week with um, Bailey Wright coming back in because we weren't winning headers in our own area or corners. We weren't scoring from headers. Um, or, or corners or set pieces. I agree. Yesterday we failed to could a clean sheet with them back in the team in a backfall said Danny Bart, which is I think fifth game without a clean sheet. However, um, do you think heading into the midweek game against Huddersfield and Cardiff at home, playing for at the back with Bailey and Danny Bart centre half, will yield one in the next two games?
0: I would imagine it depends because the one thing that would slightly concern me—it's a slight concern—is that there's not much pace in that. They're they're both they're not exactly they're not both the quickest of centre backs but I think if I was going to play Barton um, right in the back line I would probably prefer to play in a back three but again how who've you got there that could play oh, 09, a uh, second so you know combat that with someone that's got a bit of pace but for the next few games yes I would um, so I've just concentrated kind of myself there but I think I'm a big fan of Bailey right um, it's no coincidence that last season when he had a run in the team. And especially under Alex Neil, as much as I begrudgingly have to admit it, um, we kept a number of clean sheets, and that was ultimately the big factor in why we got a big fa- a factor in why we got promoted. Um, obviously, the championships a different level um, to League One. Although so far, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I have to be honest, but Bailey Wright, I think he's a, I think he's a good enough defender at this level. Um, obviously, yesterday conceding right before half time was disappointing, um, but obviously, I think it came down. I don't think he came down barely right side. I think, well, apparently there were suggestions that um, Danny Bart was fouled in the build-up of that, but we'll not go on about officials again because we know
2: he, how he, useless they... He 100% was. I watched the highlights back again this morning. He gets almost kneed in the back of the bloody calf.
0: In which case, get VAR in here. Actually, you yeah. he did want VAR. Didn't. There's that much
2: money in it. I mean, I didn't want to go into rest too much, but you know what? My simple my simple. Well, you can blame me.
0: One. I brought it up, so it's fine. You've got, but, you've got to feel safe. Uh,
2: my simple simple answer with this one is there's so much money involved in getting out of the championship or falling out of the championship that if they can't afford VR at this point, then they've got to be asking themselves why.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And you got to look at it. I mean, Burnley, Watford and Norwich will already have VAR installed in their grounds. The teams that have been in the Premier League the last couple of years will already have VAR in place. So, you know, I'd like to think this we should be able to afford it in the stadium of my life, but... You know, there's there's faults with VAR, but you know, I mean, they look. The, the, I mean, just quickly on the officials. I mean, the state of the officials is just getting is just horrendous. It's not it's not any better than League One, um, and it's not just us. It's costing a lot. I bet you it'll cost a lot of teams. There'll be other fans on other podcasts like this that are saying exactly the same thing. And, the, and it, if it's not getting solved, a
2: team will get will suffer getting relegated or feeling get promoted on the back of one of these decisions. Did you see the decision at Burnley yesterday? Um... Redding, got Tom Ince running through, clean to and goal. I think it was actually Nathan Teller. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. It was it was a Burnley player. One of their wingers, I think. Just takes him out. No penalty. It's the most stonewall penalty I've ever seen in my life. And then Burnley got to the end of the pitch and score.
0: No, I didn't see that. But that, but again, that does not shock me. That really does not shock me with the state of officials in this league. And I'm someone who does not like to blame officials because you want to look at your own performance. But at the end of the day, we say this. It's like what people said with the striker. We say this about the officials. Because it's fucking true. This needs to be sorted. Something's got to be done about it. And if the officials need help, give them bloody help then. Um God, I've managed to turn this into a five-minute rant about officials. I can't have forgotten what your original question was. But Billy, right, I'm a big fan of. Everyone knows that. I've everyone knows how much I I suspect you came to me with the clean sheet question because you know how much I'm a fan of keeping clean sheets and not conceding goals. Um, I think obviously it is a slight concern right. I expected us to concede more goals at this level. I expected us to not keep as many clean sheets as I would have liked. Not keeping a clean sheet at this level doesn't annoy me anywhere near as much as what not keeping a clean sheet in Lee one did. As much as I know Dave historically hated it when I went on about clean sheets because he's all about gong-ho, score more than the opposition, which obviously to an extent you do need. You need the ability to do that. Um, but I agree with you. Now I remember your original question. Yes, I do think with Bailey Wright and Danny Barr in the back four, with the games we've got coming up, I'd be disappointed if we didn't keep at least one or two clean sheets in the next three games. So naturally, we'll probably win every game two-one, but I'll still be disappointed that we didn't keep a clean sheet. But I'm yeah, I, th- I think with those two in there, I think we'll be all right.
2: Conceded twenty-one and seventeen. It's not, it's not great, but it's not as. Bad as bear in mind, four be. of those
0: were in one game, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so but yeah, I do get what you mean. We do need to be a bit better defensively, I think.
2: Yeah, me too. I think Billy will help fix that. Dave, I'll, I'll come to you with sort of the final question. Well, I'll come to you both, really, but I'll, I'll come to you first with it. Next two games, we've dropped the 16th, um, but essentially, we're pretty much the same distance we were from the relegation spots, i.e., four points as we were, um, last week after the result, and we are still. We're a little bit further off the playoff position, so we're now seven points away from sixth. I think ultimately, I know there's loads, I, I don't like being like, oh, I'm just going to be in the middle because I thought we could have achieved more the way we started the season, but we are where we are at. Um, next two games seem really big, though, because when there is only four points and the gap above is getting a little bit bigger, not massive, but a little bit bigger, you do look over your shoulder a little bit. Um, we've got Huddersfield, their second bottom but they've picked up quite a bit recently Um, tougher game than maybe it would have been a few weeks back because the new manager coming in Cardiff at the time of speaking have exactly the same amount of points as us. And we're at home rather than asking you how many points you think we'll get Dave. I don't think two points would suffice. Obviously six would, but would you be happy with four points from the next two?
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I said, when we were doing predictions in, in, before the season, that we would have constant little mini runs of defeats and unbeaten runs. And I think this is probably the start of a four-game
2: unbeaten run. <laughs> Huge statement. Absolutely going to bite me in the arse. Do you remember last year when you said we were going to absolutely hammer Lincoln and Chris McGuire was going to do nothing and you bagged in a hat, right? I do remember that. Only yeah, so... I was
0: thinking that, yeah. How did that go, Dave? <laughs> Yeah, the great thing of putting yourself
3: out in the public, uh, public eye. It's brilliant, isn't it? But yeah, I no matter what the, what the sequence of result, results will be, I think we'll beat Huddersfield. I don't think Huddersfield will be able to deal with how we play football personally. Um, and again, I haven't watched them. I haven't seen many highlights or anything, but I'd imagine... They will try and keep it as tight as they possibly can and then hit us with set pieces and stuff, which is where Bailey Wright's going to come in useful, even if it's just his organisation skills. Um, Cardiff, I think, will be a little bit tighter, but I think we'll sneak a win there as well. And then the Birmingham game. Birmingham are a funny old team. Um, But again, I can see us going to St. Andrews and getting a draw quite comfortably. So that's how I see the next three games going. on. I, I think ultimately, and, and the great thing about it is, for as much as it's going to be frustrating at times, I think the fact that we can now see the brand of football that we play and the philosophy of how we play football, that's what you're going to get week in, week out, without fail. The players that we sign are going to come in and fit that mould. And it's quite nice I'm excited for the immediate future. Um, This year's a learning curve. I still stand by the fact that I think we'll finish about 10th and have a flirt with the playoffs at certain times of the season. I think the championship is bang average. Um, I think everybody is as good slash as bad as everyone else. Um, And that goes for the likes of Burnley. Burnley have probably got a bit more experience and a bit more... (sighs) mental know-how, if that's what, and I think that's what distinguishes them for the rest of the league. Um, Again, they proved it yesterday, 1-0 down at red. They've won 2-1, albeit by the sound of uh, some dubious officiating, to say the very least. So, yeah, um, I'm really excited because I think in the next two years, if we keep this squad together, I think we'll be ready to have a good go at it. Um, And I like the way that we play football. It's it's expensive. It doesn't it doesn't lend itself to keeping clean sheets. Unfortunately for for certain people, um, but I do think we'll score goals wherever we go. You know, we Vincent Company, through his own admission, turned around and said Sunderland have put us in a place this season that nobody else have. That's a decent compliment. And and as we grow a little bit more, I think next year if we get in that position we'll put the we'll put the opposition to bed so to speak so um yeah really excited really looking forward to wednesday
2: night and i, I think it'll be a positive result personally yeah I, I agree with a lot of that mate um i really do like the way we play football i genuinely do i think we play nice football is it, things that frustrate me with mainly which i speak about um because i for some reason, tend to fall on the negative side of the fence sometimes. But um, I feel positive. I- I'm enjoying watching something and I'm enjoying supporting Sunderland, which I haven't said for a decade, um, <laughs> give or take. Um, but Bowers, same question to you. Obviously, next two games on paper are games that we could, if you get six points from, it's not a shock. But at the same time, they are tough games. Huddersfield have improved slightly, although their position doesn't indicate that. Cardiff are, at the time of speaking, at a point below us, but we are at home. and. Yeah, I, I don't think Cardiff are any great shakes. Obviously the same amount of points as us, but we could say, well, we've played ten of those games or eleven of those games without center forwards, which indicates that potentially maybe we're slightly better than where we should be. But um four points from the next two games would be okay.
0: Yeah, I think the way I view games I view them as in little chunk. I think it was um who was it? I think it was on Quest last season. I think um, Carl Robinson, the Oxford boss, kind of views the games the same way I do. And obviously he's a professional manager and I'm never going to be. But I view them in little blocks where if you say, out of this many games, I want a minimum of this many points. And I felt before yesterday, I viewed Luton, Huddersfield, Cardiff and Birmingham. I wanted a minimum of about six points. Um, and that was at minimum. Ideally, I want a bit more than that. Uh, I mean, if I look, I mean, you're talking, we talked about stats earlier, put it this way. I looked at Huddersfield's stats against Millwall, and this is just me going off stats that I haven't watched the game. So I don't know if there's anyone in this podcast who uh, listening to it that did listen, that did watch Huddersfield Millwall. I can't imagine why. But if there was anyone, they said that Huddersfield had 14 shots to cart to Millwall's four, five of which on target to their one. So that suggests to me that they were easily the better side. But again, that's just in, without context. I haven't watched the game. Um, so I think it will be a tougher game than what it would have been a couple of weeks ago. Having said that, I'd like to think with Ellis Sims back that I think we'll probably have more joy. Um, I don't know whether whether Ellis Sims starts, as Brad said. Whether he starts, I don't know on Wednesday night. But I would like to think there's a chance that he will be featured. I mean, apparently Jack Clark suspended for this game, so that's another thing we've got to consider. If Ellis, could it be that Ellis Sims plays up top? Ahmad and Roberts played where Ahmad and Clark played yesterday. Diokno so, um, and Clark played yesterday. But I would say four points is is about right. I think if you get four points out the next two, then I think it's a satisfactory return. I think any less than that is disappointing. Um, I think two points, I agree with you. I don't think two points, while it's not disastrous, I don't think it would totally suffice. I think we need to be winning at least one of these next two fixtures. I think we're capable of winning at least one of these next two fixtures. Um, and one thing that I'll touch on, the point you made last week, um, that you said was a slight concern. And I would say it's, Not so much concern, but it is something that I think needs improving. I think our home form has got to be a bit better. I think we do need to start picking up a few more wins at home. Um, Although the home form is about to to piss off Brad even more, five out of ten, where you've lost twice at home, but you've only won twice at home. So it depends which side of the spectrum you fall on. I think we need to be getting – if we can try and get a win against – even if it's a draw on Wednesday night and you beat Cardiff, I think that psychologically that's a good thing. I think the next three games – I know you've asked about the next two, but fuck it, I'm going to say it about the next three. The next three, a minimum, we should be get. I'll be disappointed with any less than five points or winning two draws. I think that's a. If you get that, then I think that's acceptable. I think any more than that is better. Any less than that is disappointing. Like, but like Dave said though, Birmingham's a funny team. I could see us going there and getting a draw, but Birmingham clearly at home have been no mugs this season. They've given teams a good go. But yeah, the next two, I don't see us getting six. Even though I think we are capable of getting six. But four points, I think, is probably a good, a good amount, a good tally to come with. Four points for the next two, I would take that if I was offered it.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I think it's really important that we we do win a game because, um, as much as there has been a lot of positive, and we've spoke mainly positive, and this has happened quite a bit, we've won one and eight. Um, yeah, there's reasons behind that, but one in eight ultimately is all that matters. Um, we need a, a win out of that, and I think. That's why I looked at the four points rather than the three, because I think if you look at three, that means we lose either at home or we lose to Huddersfield, to are second bottom. And I, I don't think either's I don't want to say any results unacceptable in this division because anyone can beat anyone, but I don't think it's a positive on the current run. Of it's form. not
0: ideal though, is it, if we lose no. one of the next two? It's not it's not, it's not you could do I think we could do better than losing one of the next two.
2: Yeah, me too. Um And, and not just drawing
0: twice, by the way, to clear that up.
2: <laughs> and then obviously you've got the the winter break, which comes in after the the Birmingham game, and then after that we can We'll look hopefully forward at playing a team that's what you'd expect to be our starting 11. But, um, Dave and Michael, thank you very much for joining me. And Brad, of course, you left a little bit earlier, a bit of a longer one. This one, we have obviously upgraded Zoom, yeah. We're now living in uh the real world, and um, so we went a little bit longer this morning, but hopefully, you've enjoyed it. And um, please continue with the feedback. Like I always say, I don't really mind if people don't subscribe or not, but I want to make sure you use enjoy it. and... Um, you know, I, I can take anything constructive, which is fine. If there's anything you'd like to see us do, like to see you see us shorten it, lengthen it, whatever you want, it's up to you. Um this the show is obviously for you, not necessarily me. So please continue with the feedback. And thanks for listening as always. Cheers, guys.